Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, bringing you conversations with leaders and experts on leadership themes. I'm Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us. And whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via the podcast, it's great to have you along. Now, the housing crisis in the UK is well known, with a 74% increase in the number of people in temporary accommodation since 2010, an estimated 8.4 million, and a topic we featured on previous shows. But this particular issue is the focus of the Cinnamon Network UK's Project Lab competition this term, working in partnership with the Church of England. The Cinnamon Network UK, you may know, is dubbed uh, Dragon's Den for Charities, which wants to find ambitious church-based social action projects that are responding to this issue and want to replicate their work across the country. So two competition winners will receive a £30,000 development grant each, uh, and there are up to five places available in the Cinnamon Project Incubator, where they will receive support from industry professionals to help them replicate their work for the benefit of communities across the UK. So I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Garrett, the Head of Business Development at Cinnamon Network UK, to talk about this initiative and to unpack some of that language in my introduction. So, Paul, welcome to the Leadership Farm. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. So, uh, your journey to be part of Cinnamon, first of all? Well, I, I, I grew up in a, in a small church, and ever since I can remember coming to faith, having a, a burning desire to serve God in some kind of full-time capacity, mm. Didn't quite know how that would work or what that would look like, but I ended up attending a training course in Reading. So I moved from Cheshire to Reading in the year 2000. And and subsequently, after completing my training, I went on staff with the church where I was based. And in that time, I took part in a really fantastic initiative. There was a decommissioned Anglican church, which was in the most deprived area in Reading. And a team and I were tasked to take on this building. And as we prayed, we felt God show us that the community didn't just need a typical church as I understood church. What they needed was a a community centre, a centre, a hub of action that would serve the practical needs of people. So we set up groups that supported the elderly, children, young people, mothers, men and slowly but surely these people began to flood into the church building and began to mix and mingle with the Christian volunteers that we'd recruited and trained and it was at that point I saw how social action when it's done well brings you into proximity and into contact with people at their point of need and at that point your position to be able with real integrity to then offer to help address the spiritual need which of course is a relationship with Jesus Christ so we did that people began to give their lives to Christ and I stood back and thought I'd love to be part of this on a national scale Hmm. helping churches to really impact their communities on every level and so I saw Cinnamon Network and I decided to move from the local to the national and I joined the Cinnamon Network in 2016. Yeah, fabulous. And so, so you saw the value of leadership, obviously, in a, in a very practical way. Locally, someone had a vision for this and, and made it happen. Absolutely. And I think, again, growing up, it was my dad was leading the small church I was part of. And, and I soon realized when I was then in leadership myself that, that it takes great boldness. It takes courage. I remember as we read jo- the, the account of Joshua and, and, and God commanding him to be bold and courageous. And, and I realised that as a leader, you have to take risks. You've got to be willing to step out of the boat and be courageous. But at the same time, 
leadership requires great wisdom and skill. And I learned through making many mistakes, some of which were quite painful on the journey. And, and actually, as, as good as it is to learn from our mistakes, I don't think failure necessarily is our best tutor. It's no. a tutor, but not necessarily sure. the best. You can learn from others. You can learn from experts, mm. people who've gone before you. So what I love about Cinnamon and our Project Lab and Incubator competition is that it's all about taking those best practice ideas from leadership, those concepts that we know work, and presenting them in a really accessible way to others that are just starting out. Okay. So we've, we've mentioned Cinnamon Network a little bit, uh, obviously, in our conversation. Um, listen can listen back to a show with uh, Amanda Binden and Mike Royal uh, who were two co-CEOs which was uh, something of a novelty which is what we looked at in that show um, and we explore a bit of the history of the organisation but just, just in the kind of nutshell remind us of the kind of projects that have received Cinnamon Network UK funding in the past Sure. So every year the competition welcomes projects according to a theme that we select. And those themes generally are picked based on what we know as being a pressing need in society and for which there's perhaps a shortage of project models that churches can use to replicate to address that need. So, for example, we worked back in 2016 with a project that was helping to improve mental health and emotional well-being. Now, that project's called Renew Wellbeing, and it creates these cafe-style places in churches. Now, prior to embarking on the Project Lab journey with us, they'd replicated in two locations. They, they won the Project Lab competition, so they received a £30,000 development grant. But then after their period of incubation with Cinnamon, they've gone on to replicate over 40 times in different churches across mm. the UK. So that's just one example. But we've also worked with projects helping to improve the lives of young people and projects that are in helping to improve health and well-being. And, and just a few years ago, projects that were, were seeking to work with black and minority ethnic communities. Okay, fabulous. Um, and so the, uh, you know, just for, for, for folks, so there's, there's philanthropists who provide the funding for these kind of projects. They believe, the Christians believe in the, the kind of thing which enables you to be able to disseminate the money. Is that kind of how it works? So we look for, for partnerships on mm. different levels. Okay. So, so this year we're delighted to be working in partnership with the Church of England and we're very grateful for funding from Andrew's Charitable Trust and also the Mercer's Charitable okay. Foundation who've helped to make the competition possible. Mm. But on the night of the competition final itself, that's where we bring and invite philanthropists to come okay. who can make donations directly to the projects okay. that are in the final. Great. So um, I, you've kind of answered this question a little bit already. How, you, how did you come up with the, the, the topic this year? Because clearly you've you've seen that homelessness is an issue that that the, the UK certainly has been facing as a, as a real challenge. Relationships are really important to us as a charity mm. and we, we try our best to listen to what mm. our partners are saying. So we've partnered recently with a housing association and also three local authorities. And from those relationships, we, we soon began to realise that housing affects people on so many different levels and the consequences are far reaching. When you combine that with the statistics you mentioned in your introduction, mm. we realise there's, there's a huge problem here. Now, interestingly, the Church of England, the Archbishop of Canterbury, had a commission on housing, church and community. And in that excellent report, 
they highlight not only the issue, but how churches can effectively respond to the crisis. Mm. So we felt this is the perfect theme for this year. It's relevant to society mm. as a whole. And actually, it's enabling the church to step up on a relevant issue and offer meaningful solutions. Okay. So, uh, so in terms of the practicalities, how's the kind of competition set up? What's, what are the mechanisms whereby someone can find out about this? Well, at the moment, we're, we're in that, that application phase. Okay. So projects or those who are interested in Project Lab 2020 can access our website at cinnamonnetwork.co.uk forward slash project lab. Now, right now, people can register their interest in the competition. But from the 24th of February to the 20th of April, people can complete a full application. There's guidance notes on the website and also upload a short video explaining why they think they should win Project Lab 2020. Now, following that, our panel of judges have the rather unenviable task of trying to shortlist through what I'm sure will be a whole pile of really compelling and thought-provoking applications to, to, to select five that we think are suitable for the Cinnamon Project Lab final. Now, that will take place on the 7th of July in the City of London, and the five finalists will have the opportunity to attend a masterclass. So, Cinnamon will provide the five finalists with a masterclass in communication, which the projects will need because on the night of the final, there'll be an audience of philanthropists, our panel of nine judges, and each project will have six minutes to present their project to the audience. Mm. Now, when they're finished, the judges will then ask them a series of questions with a view to determining which of the five will win the £30,000 development grants. And we can provide those grants to two of the five projects. Wow. Yeah. Once that finishes, we then begin the very exciting journey of Cinnamon Incubator, which follows after the Project F Lab final concludes. Okay, splendid. Well, that, that's uh, very, very clear. And uh, obviously, hopefully, some, some folk listening thinking, hey, that sounds, sounds like something we might be involved in. Um, now, in, in your um, promotion for, of this, you list the kind of areas that the organisations might be involved in. Obviously, homelessness is a is a broad topic, but there's there's dimensions to mm. homelessness, different things that charities might do mm. to assist this process. So maybe you want to run through uh, some of that before we, we go to a, to a break. Sure. I think it's really important to say from the outset that we're not necessarily looking for projects that are, are large or well-developed. Actually, it's those church-sized initiatives that are making an impact mm. and critically have a desire to grow. Now, in relation to the theme this year, we're, we're actually looking for projects that are seeking to prevent homelessness and supporting people who are finding themselves in a crisis with their housing or at risk of a crisis in their housing. So some examples of the types of project would be projects that are offering housing advice and advocacy offering mentoring and befriending to those who are struggling with their accommodation situation, providing supported accommodation, tenancy training, co-living schemes, or even the temporary use of empty properties. And thanks to our partnership with the Church of England, there's also another dimension this year where there's the ability to support people who are willing to make their church buildings available and church land available to help those who are struggling with their accommodation. Excellent. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by uh, Paul Garrett. We're talking about the Cinnamon uh, Network UK's uh, Project Lab competition, and we'll be back just after this. 
Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Paul Garrett. Uh, Paul is the Head of Business Development at the Cinnamon Network UK. We're talking particularly about their um, Project Lab a competition this term, which is particularly focusing upon homelessness. Um, we've, in in the past, looked at the, the charity as a whole, but we're particularly focusing upon uh, this, this initiative that's um, underway very, very soon. Um, so, Paul, for some of these areas that you mentioned before the break, the uh, £30,000 is going to go a long, long way. In other areas, perhaps it will be a small drop in the ocean. So I guess it's for applications to convince you that they have, they have merit and that, that their 30000 is going to be well used. Absolutely. And I think looking back over the, the 20 projects that have actually now gone through the incubation process, it's really interesting to, to note that many of them have started their journey where their project leaders as such, they've been working full time in other jobs or they've taken time out of their jobs. They're certainly not on staff for their project. So the £30,000 development grant suddenly then becomes very, very useful and very important in terms of the mm-hmm. scale of the project, which is often very small when it starts with, with, with Cinnamon. I think also it, it's fair to say that we we tend to select projects where we feel that that £30,000 will make a significant difference in what they're seeking to do. But ultimately, it's down to those projects to, to, to help convince us of why that £30,000 and why the incubation process is necessary. And actually, we, we set the whole process up, so not just to, for, for projects to win or start the incubation process, but so that they're learning skills and, and, and techniques that they need to, to actually survive in the wider charity sector when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to promoting their project, when it comes to forming partnerships with others. So the whole process is designed to actually educate and provide the skills necessary to, to be sustainable in the long term. Right. And to give, uh, give us an idea of the kind of numbers of, of in the past, obviously you won't know this year, but the, past, the kind of numbers of, of organisations that have applied for, for the work. Well, we get a, a large number of expressions of interest in, in the Project Lab final, as you can imagine. So we then have to whittle those down. And generally, we, we arrive at 50 strong okay. applications. as many as that. Well, Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's so encouraging to see across the sector just how many incredible entrepreneurial leaders there are that are, that are creating projects locally but have a heart to see them grow mm-hmm. and, and that's why I think year on year we're seeing Project Lab being able to reach out and connect with so many incredible leaders that are taking steps of faith to serve their communities in, in practical ways. Yeah, And I'm guessing that that uh, even though only a few are going to be successful, there's something about the, the whole approach and and the clarifying of issues and the communication that will be a benefit to those that are unsuccessful as well. That's right. And we have had projects before that haven't quite made it through to the shortlisting of the of the five finalists, but have actually fed back to us that some of the skills they've learned along the way have been really, really valuable. I think sometimes it's about asking people the right questions, which enables them to go away and consider how do I answer that? Are we in a position to grow? Do we have the right structure in place? How, is our mission statement as it needs to be? What's our long-term plan? And some of those questions, as we ask them, actually projects leave with the ability to go away and work on those mm. questions, which really helps them for the future. 
So your press release talks of the, the replication of ideas spread across the UK. You mentioned the mental health charity or the ministry that, that was able to replicate to about 40. So what kind of a spread do you have in mind or is, is that really you know, up, to, up to whoever wins? I think the really interesting fact about housing as our theme this mm. year is that housing affects everyone. So it affects the elderly, it affects the young, it affects people living in rural communities, those living in urban communities, those living in coastal communities. So there's a need nationwide when it comes to housing because of its effect on all different members of society. So it's our hope that these five projects, when they've gone through the incubation process, will be in a position where they can replicate in diverse communities across the UK and critically in all different types of churches as well so that they can replicate in small churches, large churches, inner city churches, village churches mm. and that's what makes the process just so exciting. Okay. And this this word incubation, can we just unpack it a little bit that you you have experts that are assisting these groups? What, what kind of things might they might they go through? It's interesting that the £30,000 is often the, the headline which people mm. read and think, wow, that would be really useful to have £30,000. Mm. Who wouldn't want £30,000 to help cover development costs of, of a small project mm. or charity starting out? But actually, speaking with projects that have gone through the process, they've told us that it was the incubator, the cinnamon incubator, that made the, mm. re the real difference, not necessarily the £30,000 development grant. So what is incubator? So it's a two-year programme. And over those two years, projects are invited to two week-long residentials. Now, at those residentials, we invite in industry specialists who come and they speak on topics that are really critical to enable projects to grow and develop. So projects such as finance, governance, team building, organisational development, partnership and promotion. When you combine that specialist sector support with bi-monthly coaching with our head of incubation and also the peer-to-peer -peer support that then happens throughout the year, projects typically leave with, with four outcomes, or we try and achieve four outcomes with the projects. So the first, of course, is the ability to replicate. That's what this process is all about, finding the local, helping it to replicate nationally in every type of context. And that's what we did with Renew Wellbeing. The second outcome from Incubator is that ability to develop partnerships. Partnerships, I think, are, are really, really important, particularly in the climate in which we find ourselves in today. We need to be able to work with others. We worked with a project just a few years ago called Box Up Crime. They've now gone on to, to partner with five London boroughs in which they're using non-contact boxing to engage mm. with young people. The third outcome then is being able to access funding sources. Again, so, so important for new projects a project that supports young people called Primetime Young Leaders Network. They've gone on to secure two significant grants that have really helped to speed up their ability to replicate nationwide. But perhaps the most important area is that to, ability to create that strong leadership and good governance in the heart of a project. So a project that we worked with just last year called the Healthy Church Initiative, which works with black and minority ethnic communities that are struggling with type 2 diabetes to prevent that from taking place. They decided, having completed their, their first phase of the incubator, to, to actually take a step back and restructure 
their project and then relaunch, which they did in January this year. And now they're beginning to grow. They're beginning to develop because of what happened uh, on the incubator. So that really for us is the the most important part of the whole process mm. is the cinnamon incubator. And uh, obviously I sense from you the, your enthusiasm for this. So you having you know, looking back to your, your days in Reading and, and then moving to the na- to the, the national here. How have you found the, the whole process and uh, the, the leadership challenges that you faced in, in, in moving from the local to the national? I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most is is when you're working in the local, sometimes you you're not aware of what's happening nationally. So there I was in Reading trying to do something that I thought was quite new and, and quite innovative, turning an old church building into a community hub that was serving the, the community practically and then sharing the gospel with people. And then stepping into a more national role or, or a role with a national charity and realising that actually that's happening all over the country. There's all sorts of churches that are doing a similar hmm. sort of thing where they're actually trying to break out of the walls of church on a Sunday and take church to the people, as it were, in their communities Monday to, to, to Saturday. So I've been encouraged to see just how how many churches are really reinventing themselves to serve the practical needs of their community. And many of those principles, though, that are true on the local are then true on the national. How do you, for example, how do you begin a conversation with another stakeholder in that community? How do you work with your local council or housing association or job centre? Also, how do you present the gospel in that setting where you're working and and beginning to serve the needs of people who are coming into contact with the church? They're the same questions that we're we're answering nationally as well. So much of the, mm. the, the the issues and the challenges on the micro, they're also true on the national stage as well. So, yeah. and it's a, it's a it's a, ch- a challenging topic. Um, the the, the criticism of, of from, from some churches, perhaps from the more conservative end, is that those churches that are doing the social action stuff and are missing out the verbal de- declaration of the gospel. To, to you know, to, to summarise it, um, I mean, what would your comment be on that issue and, and the challenges of, of of moving from from caring for someone practically to actually saying something about it? It's a question we're often asked. And we're asked it for different reasons. So, so very often church leaders who, who are really seeking to see their church, of course, grow, their membership base grow. And, and having been in church leadership, I understand the challenges and the pressures on pastors and church leaders to see membership grow. And, and of course, they want to see their membership grow by people coming to faith in Jesus Christ and joining the worshipping community. And then the question is also asked by volunteers and people giving up their time as well in projects. I think people have that desire to want to see others come to faith and share the same faith that they have in in our Lord and Saviour. So my answer to that would be it's not an either or. In fact, the two go hand in hand together. And that's what I discovered at the beginning of my journey into Cinnamon Network was as you begin to serve people's practical needs, maybe even their mental and emotional needs by by serving them through social action, you have that ability and opportunity. There's a relationship, there's a a connection at which point you can help to address the, the fundamental need beneath all the others, which is that we all need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he helps, of course, with them with all the subsequent needs and issues that we have. So I think the two go hand in hand together and we encourage people to embrace them both at the same time to really make a difference in people's lives.
Well, thank you, Paul, for, for, for sharing all that you have about this, this new uh, initiative or this new initiative for Cinema Network UK uh, today. Uh, so a reminder of the website where people can log on to... You mentioned it earlier, but just if people are struggling to get a pen or whatever. So it's the cinnamonnetwork.co.uk forward slash project lab. Fabulous. Okay. Well, thank you for, for joining us and for sharing, and thank you for listening. Um, do uh, log on to Premier's own website and listen to archived versions of the Leadership File. Uh, you can also go to iTunes and Podbean. Um, it's, it's great to have you along. Uh, we've had uh, uh, just discovered recently over 100 people, have, uh, sorry, 100 uh, different countries have down, uh, people from 100 c- countries have downloaded the, um, the Leadership File over the last uh, uh, couple of months. So, uh, Wherever you're listening, whichever part of the world, you're very, very welcome. And it's good to have you along. So I look forward to your company again next Sunday at 3.30 or uh, via the podcast uh, at your convenience. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's word to everyday life. Contact him via email apeck at cwr.org.uk. 